Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Georgia Alabama Sports Live show. We're live on the Georgia Alabama Sports Live Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's Thrift Behringer and my partner in crime, Richard Holdridge. We didn't do a show Sunday. We were live at the CB Hoots Perfect Practice Fall League. That was a lot of fun. We're doing basketball during football season. A lot of great, talented basketball players there, and we are going to do all the games, including all the way up to the championship. It's five weeks of basketball. Only on Sunday, starting at 3.30. Last game usually ends about 8. But we didn't do a show because it was late. We're probably going to do one this upcoming Sunday, though. But this Sunday, it was just a lot happening then. I was like, you know what? Let's just do a more, a longer show uh, on Tuesday. And that's what we're doing. So it's preview review time. Preview of this upcoming week. Review of what happened last week, Richard. And some of the games that we were able to call. Then we're going to touch on some college football, Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, and anything else that's happening in the college football landscape. And last but not least, touch on some of those Atlanta Falcons. And we also got a great guest coming on as well. Richard, how are you doing? Thrift, I'm doing great. I've had a great weekend of calling sports, and I'm ready to talk high school football, college football, the NFL, and I'm excited about our guest as well. Yeah, I'm excited about him. And he's a guy that means a lot to me he is we, we both are growing in this industry and he's someone that you know had been doing a little bit longer than i have especially on the level that he's doing it on took me right up beneath his wing we feed off each other we keep it real with each other and we both love dj dj's helped us tremendously so that's a, a shared part of our relationship but we also have our own thing and i think we got really close last year when we did the tennessee game and I basically just shadowed Jack the whole time while I was running, getting shots, getting good film of that game. And without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on the star of sports. And I wouldn't say sports talk, but sports highlights in this area. Better than Jack Patterson of WRBL Sports. Jack, how are you? What's up and what's good, fellas? Thrip, I need to bring you around and do my introductions all the doggone time, man, because that was chef's kiss. Uh, listen, but, I learned great. Yeah, I learned from DJ. Trust me on how do you bring in your guests. No doubt about it. But Jack, you know it, it's it's a crazy world that we live in. You know a lot of negativity going on in the world today. I mean, you talk about the murders in the Columbus and everything else. But at least we can in sports. I mean, it, it even infiltrated in the sports world back in August 25th for that Carver Spencer game. But things have managed to settle down. We got a bunch of great teams around the area. How's your fall going so far? You know, I, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic in saying this, but it is shaping up like it's going to be a November and December to remember around here when it comes to teams on the football field. Like, we've got a lot of teams that are right now, they're kind of like setting themselves up. Some that we saw coming and then some we didn't see coming. But I really think that this is going to be a playoff run to remember around around these parts. Yeah, I think so too, Jack. And like I said, me and Jack go way back, and uh, you took me under your wing. It was a lot of fun last year. Got close during that Tennessee game, been boys ever since. And then, of course, colleagues as we cover everything that's going on in the Chattahoochee Valley area. And I guess that's what we're start, Jack. And we're going to start with the game that we were at on Friday. We did. High school game day there went all out for it. It was number one versus number two. Rematch of last year's AISA State Championship. You know about this rivalry. We had 
both ADs are on Tim Fanning and Coach John William Johnson of Lee Scott. They have mutual respect for each other. Of course, they, they are they are friends off you know the field, the court, whatever it may be. But when it's time for action, this is about as intense robbery as you can get. Talk about what you thought you saw and how the game played out on Friday night, Lee Glenwood versus Lee Scott. First thing I got to do is thank you and Richard for broadcasting the game because it was my way. I was tuning in and out of the game throughout the night. So I just got to say thank you guys for what you do because it's a big, especially on a Friday night when you're, we're running around with our heads cut off trying to, you know, cover any and anything we, any and everything that we had the manpower to cover. You know, you guys kept kind of kept the, kept me, you know, in the loop of how that game was going. And that's where we ended up finding, getting the final score from is was from you guys' stream. So I thank you guys for everything that you do live streaming these games every week. And man, I, it's a huge, huge win for Glenwood. You know, everybody has kind of said that, you know, Lee Scott's down this year. You know, they're not as good as they were last year. At least Scott came to play on Friday night. They proved all those people who thought they were down wrong. They gave Glenwood everything they wanted and then some, but you got to credit the way that Glenwood played. It's like every time, that Lee Scott threw a counter punch after they took the punch for Glenwood, Glenwood had an answer. And they were able to, you know, you know, battle back and take care, take care of everything. Huge, huge win. And now the Gators are in the driver's seat for that one seed in the re, in the um, playoffs. And that's huge because that means if these two teams meet again, which it could happen, you know, prior to the state championship, that game would be in the swamp and Glenwood could have home field through the playoffs. They're in the driver's seat for that. So huge, huge win for Glenwood. And, I, you know, year two for Coach Nelson and the boys there, I mean, right now they it looks like that the only team that can stop them right now is them. Yeah, that was a very fun and exciting game. It was a back-and-forth game. Dallas Crow with four touchdown passes. But Lee Scott had a receiver. Kind of reminded me of Cooper Cup, Jake White. I got to look at the stats. It seemed like he had 20 receptions for 200 yards. I mean, he was just balling out. But Glenwood got the big stop. Camden White with two interceptions. He also had an interception from Griff Garner. And Glenwood was able to put the clamps on Lee Scott. But, you know, Thrift and I, when we were calling this game, we were hoping for an exciting back-and-forth game. But we were happy that Glenwood was able to get the comfortable victory at the end. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about Jake White, you know, he's been a man, a man that has made his way into the top three on three on Friday nights for well over a year now. He's been kind of one of those straws that stirs the drink for Lee Scott. So, you know, to see to hear that set line is not a surprise to me, Richard. And honestly, I think that Lee Scott will go as far as he takes them and then Pelzer Reeves as well. So, like I said, Lee Scott is a really good team, and they show that they are still a threat in the AISA. And it's going to be somebody that Glenwood might run into again, but it's going to be something that they have to keep an eye on. But, you know, for right now, huge win for the Gators. It puts them in the driver's seat. They control their destiny, know everything they want to do. Huge, huge win for the Gators. Huge win for the Gators. Dallas Crow showed <laughs> he is an absolute baller. He is fantastic with his legs. He had a 40-yard burst. Great deep passes to Mason McCrane and Camden White. By the way, I said it, Jack, um, on the broadcast. Everybody's talking about Travis Hunter. He's great. He's playing both sides of the ball. So is Camden White. Two receiving touchdowns, two interceptions. The guy had a, a big-time hit. If you go see Glenwood's uh, Facebook page, you'll see 
Dusty Purdue shared it too. I mean, it was a monster hit. And then he turned around and scored a touchdown too and bossed on someone. So that guy's balling. Lee Scott, though, kept it close. Took a 7-0 lead. Took a 14-7 lead. Lee Scott showing that, hey, you know what? We still got the same quarterback as from last year. And Glenwood may be the, the top dog right now, but it's hard to beat a team twice. If they do face, I'm with you, Jack. You'll probably be in the state championship game. I think these are the two best teams in the ISA, bar none. I don't think it's even close. And uh, Glenwood's going to have another battle on their hands if they have to face them again. Moving on from Glenwood, big-time win. Thank you again to Tim Fanning, Dusty Purdue, William Johnson, everyone that came on our high school game day show. Broadcast was fantastic. They take care of us there at Glenwood, and we appreciate it. That, and we're going to be doing a lot more Glenwood games, especially heading into the playoffs. From Glenwood, let's take on another team that Glenwood did beat. And they're the number one team in the GIAA. Preseason number one. Won the state championship last year, Jack. But they had to replace Cam Ellis. And Dusty Purdue called him the Tim Tebow of this area. And Christian Brown got off to a slow start. It did hurt that their AZ Justin, who is an all-world defender and offensive player, he got ejected from the game early. And I think that had an effect on how they played the rest of the, the game against Glenwood. But since then, Brown's played fantastic. Pacelli looks like a team that's going to repeat. Tell me what you thought about that at the land on Friday night. So I was at that game, um, Thurston Richard. I was at that game. That was the second game I covered on Friday night. And, you know, you look at the final score, 22 to 3. It looks like it was an entertaining game. Let me tell you that it was 3 to nothing at halftime, okay? Wow. It yeah. was a defensive slugfest in the first half. You know, it just seemed like no, neither team's offense could get anything going, special teams all over the place. But Chelly blocked a Stratford kick right before halftime. So it was a defensive slugfest. Pacelli did not – Pacelli scored the first touchdown of the game with 139 to go in the third quarter. It was – and Pacelli turned it up from there. Right. So, you know, and this was a number one versus number two battle last week too. You know, and obviously Pacelli, the new number one again, after docking off Strapper, who was the number one team going in, it is a big win for Pacelli. You know, you know, uh, you, we talk, you know, this, this headline's been, you know, Pacelli doesn't have Cam Ellis. They don't, they've lost a lot of talent. You know, are they the same team? And then they lose to Glenwood in a tough way week one. And then ever since, Pacelli's just been quietly under the radar, and they've just been taking care of business. They took out Mount Sales, and, you know, and now they get – the rematch with Strapper, they take care of business against Strapper, and now going into homecoming this week against Gatewood, that's going to be a big game. And I think not you don't look now, but Jelly's got some momentum on their side, and that's a dangerous, dangerous thing to give this team. Jack, I like how Pacelli's playing winners of four straight. Jacob Brown really has not skipped a beat. Corvey James having an incredible year as a running back. I love AZ Justy as that wide receiver slash defensive back combo. And uh, Pacelli was able to blow them out in that second half. They made the adjustments. Head coach Dwight Jones, they were trailing three to nothing at the half, and they were able to put up 22 unanswered points. And that is a huge win against the opponent they beat in the GIAA championship. And you're right, Jack. They got a big game against Gatewood. They're one of the top teams in Division Two of the GIAA, and they are undefeated, and they got some top recruits. That one recruit is going to be playing for North Carolina. We heard that from the, the AD of Pacelli, head coach Corey Black. But I think that that's going to be an exciting game. Uh, Pacelli 
can only just continue to get better as this is a young team that is just going to continue to fight and compete in the GIAA once again. Absolutely. And at this point in the season, that's what you're trying to build with a young team like that. You're trying to build them and get them ready because we know Pacelli's ceiling is going back to Mercer and making for the state championship. We know that's their ceiling. So we know it, the hardest thing, one of the hardest things to do in sports is to go back to back winning a championship. And yeah. that's what Pacelli's trying to do. And they lost a lot of talent. But, you know, you're starting to see, you know, even in the Glenwood game, you kind of saw flashes of what this team could be. And now, you know, ever since then, we've started to see it come more and more about. And now the next thing you know, they're on a four-game win streak, and they can get this win over Gatewood. You know, I really – you got to really keep an eye out on what the, the damage that this team can do in the GIAA. I mean, honestly, if they get this win here, maybe the only team that could, you know, stop them is Brookstone. Yeah, and they play Brookstone at home October the 6th. That's going to be a big one, Jack. You know about the Bruccelli rivalry. But thank you again, and shout out to DJ Jones and Dave Plata. Great broadcast. The GOAT of live streaming, Jeremy Hayes. And he had student. That was a student-ran broadcast. I thought they did a great job. You know how hard it is in this business, Jack. You know how hard it is to do live streams. Richard, you know it's well. And to see that being run by students at the leadership of Jeremy Hayes is awesome. And we'll go ahead and make the announcement as we'll preview that upcoming game here momentarily. We're still reviewing a few more games, Jack. But we're going to be at the land. Um, I will be on the broadcast with Dave Plata. Richard will be on there. We haven't decided where he's going to be, but he will be a part of the broadcast. Excited about that. High school game day is going to be there for Gatewood. It's going to be a lot of fun. Game day at 6 o'clock, 730 is Vikings Live. And then when you see Vikings Live, we'll also simulcast on our GAS Live YouTube channel, Dave Plata on the call but him and dj did a great job last week and thank you so much richard you can put that graphic up we'll come back to that here in just a moment i just wanted to throw that out there all right let's move on from that and we can touch on these next ones kind of quickly guys i know those were two of the main games um we'll go to calvary we'll stay in the private school realm the and we'll do one more private school before we head on to muskogee county and that central red devils team that's looking fantastic jack i know you and tyler were live for that one Calvary was down 21 to 6 at one point in this game. They've lost two straight. They got manhandled in Mollywop last week against Flint Rivers, 42 0 at halftime. But I, I know Coach Brunson, I believe in him. And I think there was no way they were going to lose three straight. And they came out on fire and a tear in that second half. Jack, what'd you think about Calvary Christian? 29 unanswered speaks volumes about that team. And, you know, like I said, a lot of people have kind of, you know, put Calvary down to the wayside, especially, you know, the coaching transition and everything. And, you know, next thing you know, you see the, you know, especially after the Flint River game and, you know, Flint River is a really good squad. And, yeah. you know, to see, you know, see that score line and kind of, you know, say like, okay, maybe Calvary's not as good as you think. And then you see Lanier Christian, Lanier Christian's got a really good squad, you know, and to see them up 21 to six early, you think, okay, so, here we go again. And then Calvary, you know, they just turned it on in the second half. 29 unanswered points to get wow. the win speaks volumes for how far that team has come in the last few weeks. And honestly, it's a team that we've got to watch for, watch out for in the gaps. You know, if they can continue to build this momentum, you know, this is a really important time of the year. And yep. Calvary's Calvary's no different because you know. Believe it or not, we are almost at the midway point in the season. You know, 
at this point, most teams are in region play and Calvary, no exception. And to be able to build that kind of momentum, get that kind of get those kinds of wins, you know, all that only benefits you as you head into October. And, you know, you know, we're knocking on the door now, you know, fall starts on Saturday. So that's when, you know, hey, the season really starts now. Yeah. And I'm with you, Jack and Richard, before you. Um, move ahead to the next game. You can just pick any game you want, Richard, from that list. I do want to say quick shout-out <clears throat> to Luke Savak. He took a beating last week against Flint River, and he came back as a baller this week. And uh, like you said, in that gaps, I've looked at who they got to play these next couple of weeks. They could be 7-3, and 8-2 and two by the end of the year. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the season? I don't know many. Many people thought this program was left for dead. And they – could make a deep run. Remember, they beat the defending state champions in week one. Yes, their did. losses, one was the Kings Ridge. Yes, they're in gaps, but they didn't have their quarterback. And the second was the Flint River. They're in the GIAA. They're a powerhouse. They don't even have to play in the playoffs. So they're fine. Another shout-out to Happy Hour Bar and Grill. That's that bar and grill on Summerville Road as you're heading to Glenwood. Partnered with us, broadcasted the Glenwood game last week. They're going to do a lot of games in the near future, we're glad that they're a part of George Alabama Sports Live. So you're in, you're looking for a good time. You're looking for good food and good beverages. Me and Jack, we love a good time, and we dang sure like good food and good beverages. Happy Hour Bar and Grill is the place for you. Football's back. Like you said, it's fall time. High school on Friday. Then you can come back on Saturday for college football, and then come back on Sunday for the NFL. You're just loaded. And then you got Monday Night Football, too. I mean, the only days we don't got covered is Tuesday and Wednesday. Just check out this show that we do every Tuesday. Richard, go ahead. I just got to give a shout-out to the guys. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one thing about Calvary Christian, they do play Heritage this week. They are also a GIAA school. So that's something to think about. Yeah, setting up. And, you know, I talk, I kind of talked about this, with, you know, with Sly County, you know, for our game, for our game that we covered, just kind of jumping ahead. But, you know, the way that these coaches, especially in the private schools, by playing these teams that – you know, not necessarily impacting directly who you're going to, you know, how your playoff season is going to go. So, so important. You see Calvary Christian scheduling these GIAA teams. You see, you know, Brookstone and Pacelli scheduling these AISA teams, you know, stuff like that. You know, scheduling teams to get better. That is key. Richard, go ahead. All right, well, the next game is Brookstone and Mount Zion. Brookstone actually gets their first victory of the season as Coach Rance Gillespie. They were 0-2. Uh, we knew that Brookstone was going to eventually ride the ship. Brooks Roney, uh, their decent quarterback, who's I think that Brookstone is going to compete with Pacelli in the GIAA. And they got a big win against a GHSA team in Division One Class 1. And so this was a big win on the road as well. I mean, we saw that Mount Zion beat Jordan. And so this was a, a pretty decent Mount Zion team that they beat. Absolutely, Richard. And you're talking about a Mount Zion team that has given plenty of teams in our area problems over the years. So, and we know Brookstone, they, you know, it's been a struggle to start the year. So to be able to go on the road and get the ship right, that's big. Now you got to focus on, you know, as you start going into region play, you got to focus on, you know, to build off of that win. And it wasn't even a close win. It was a convincing win. And you need that for a team that is, you know, a, I won't say rebuilding, but trying to reload. 
you know, obviously, you know, you have a new quarterback, you have new players at your skill positions, you know, you're trying to reload and get everybody ready for the gauntlet that's going to be the GIAA. So to be able to go play a GHSA team, a good GHSA team, and go get the win on the road, that's big for Coach Gillespie and that bunch. No doubt about it. And Mount Zion was undefeated, by the way, too. So they're a really good program and took care of business on the road, nonetheless. Um, and we'll go from Brookstone. We'll cut, touch on a few more games because I know, Jack, we can't keep you too long. But I definitely wanted to get into some preview of this week, where you're going to be, because I know you made the announcement of where the WRBL game of the week is, is going to be. And then I do want to touch on some <clears throat> your Georgia Bulldogs, the Bama, Auburn. I mean, we got a lot going on in college football right now. And then our Falcons are 2-0. I mean, can we can we smile any bigger? Because that that is exactly right. I mean, that last <laughs> Sunday – I'm not even going to say that. I'll wait. I'll hold it. I'll hold my thoughts until then. Just know that we're about to talk about that here momentarily. Um, Richard, let's not do that one. I actually want to go over to Phoenix City, and there's a team by the name of Central, and there's a guy by the name of Andrew Alford. He played at the last school we just talked about in Brookstone. Brookstone, good job getting the win, but they did lose a, an elite quarterback who is looking like one of the top quarterbacks in the state. Had a, I mean, it was a close game. You know, final score was 28 to 18. Central only led by four at halftime, 14 to 10. This is after what they did last week, the Enterprise. Richard, I'm not going to make a joke. Trust me. I was, about right. to make it, I was about to make another joke with Richard, and I'm not going to do it to him. Either way, Central playing a really good Opelika team at home. Many people thought they'd win by 20 points or more. A lot closer than many people think. What were your thoughts on it, Rich, uh, Jack? You were there for that. Well, I wasn't there. Tyler was there for that no, game. T-Red. But – I, I will tell people that if you thought this was this game was going to be a blowout, you were sadly mistaken. Opelika is a really good football team. Roman Gagliano, I believe, is one of the better quarterbacks in this state. And this game was close. It was 21-18 in the second half. So this was a very close game. Red Morgan had a touchdown that that was the difference maker. And you know, Red Morgan, he's going to be a power five. I think he's going to Alabama, either Alabama or Florida State. I can't remember. But he's going to one of those two schools, and he had the deciding touchdown in that game on defense. And this was the kind of game that you wanted to see Central win. You know, we've seen Central blow out everybody, okay? They blew out Hewitt Trustville. They blew out – I think they played Percy Julian last week. They've blown out everybody they played. They blew out Enterprise, too. So to be able to see what they can do in a close game – and I think this is also something that you wanted to see from Opelika, too, because, you know – Opelika, they haven't really had a lot of close games. You know, they obviously they lost to Thompson in week one, you know, and pretty much everybody loses to Thompson nowadays. So, you know, where how could they bounce back from that? So this is a game that you wanted to see from both teams. Now, obviously, if you, you're, you know, Eric Speakman and the Bulldogs, you know, you wanted to go get the win. But if you're Patrick Nixon, the Devils, it is another win. They've knocked off Enterprise already. They've knocked off Opelika. Really? You know, figuratively, at least in my opinion, the only team that stands between the Red Devils and another region championship is the Auburn Tigers. And Central has weapons. You think of Cam Coleman, the number one recruit that's going to Texas A&M. How about Dalen Upshaw? He had a big game as well, as Andrew Alford has just got weapons all around. And uh, once again, I will never underestimate Central. It, they, I think they can go all the way and win the state title this year and dethrone Thompson once for that state title you know it's gonna be it's a gauntlet i talked to patrick nicks about this last week of just how much of a gauntlet 
Region 27A is. And he says that, you know, this kind of schedule prepares you for what you're trying to do in the state playoffs. So he embraces that challenge. He embraces the fact that, hey, we've got to go play in Opelika. We've got to go to an enterprise. You know, we still got Auburn on the schedule, still got Prattville on the schedule. You know, playing teams like you at Trustville in non-region games, you know, he embraces those challenges and the team embraces those challenges. And honestly, to be able to get a win like that where you have to fight for four quarters, that is big for Central. It is big. And we're going to go from Central to a team that came up just short to a 7A school in Brookwood on the road, where the leading majority of the game ended up losing by one. What about those Carver Tigers, Jack? So when I first saw this on the schedule, I'm like, what on earth is Carver doing playing a 7A school? Okay? And that's probably the uh, the thought of many people because, you know, a lot of people are like, who is Brookwood? Not me being the sports nerd I am. I know who Brookwood is. So I'm like, what is Carver going But once again, the Carver Tigers never cease to amaze you. Okay? And when, you, when we looked at the schedule midway through the night on Friday night and I saw – Carver leading 14 nothing, and you know they're they're up late against this team. And I'm like, Carver about to go ahead and pull off one of the biggest upsets in the state. Okay. And now it 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 sucks that they fall just short, they fall one point short. And I know there's no such thing as moral victories, but I'll steal a line for Corey Black is that Carver learned in that game. You know, you learn a lot about yourself. How many 3A teams you know are playing 7A teams? The answer is not many, okay? So when you see Carver being competitive against a team like that, that only bodes well for what they're going to be facing in Class 3A as they go forward because, you know, you still got Chris County coming up. You got Thomasville coming up. They get the Bulldogs here this year. That was the deciding factor for the region championship down there. So definitely, definitely a big a big game for Carver in as far as what they learned about themselves and what they can take moving forward. And they have uh, the rare Saturday afternoon game at Kennett Stadium against Hayfield Charter. We get to see Carver play at Kennett Stadium uh, this Saturday. Yep, I'll be there. I will be I'll be covering that game and you know, that's going to be an opportunity for Carver, you know, Hayfield Charter, another really good program. So, it's a, another opportunity for Carver to sharpen their, you know, teeth against some of the better programs in an effort to get ready for that region schedule. You know, I like how Carver's looking so far, and they can continue to approve. You know, remember, this was a team that, you know, didn't have a lot last year and, you know, made a good run in the playoffs. So if they can continue to approve, you know, we got to start talking about Carver maybe being the title contender in 3A. I'm with you, and uh, I'm hoping Carver, like I said, this uh, losing to Brookwood down a bad loss, Northeast Macon's a really good team. Both those games are winnable, and easily Carver could be undefeated right now. They're young, and they're a team that, again, I've talked about this over and over again. They're going to be better as the year goes on because that's what young teams do, and they're going to be even better next year. All right, Jack, let's go ahead and get into some of the preview this week. I know we got some other games. Richard, we'll talk about that once we get Jack off. Um, There's a couple games that we're – no, not the biggest storyline. So we do want to talk about this upcoming week. Where Where's y'all's game of the week? I think you mentioned it may be outside of the Columbus area. Yeah, well, this time we're taking the game of the week on the road. We're going down to Ellaville, the Sly County Wildcats, 
number one in class 1A Division II, taking on the team that is number two in class 1A Division II, the Macon County Bulldogs. So it's a huge region rivalry in Region 6, and it's a huge rivalry down in that area. It's also Sly County's homecoming. They're talking about selling that stadium out. That stadium can host, you know, I think 1,500 to 2,000 people. They're talking about selling that stadium out on Friday night. It is going to be a big time in Ellaville. You know, and I went down and talked to the guys today. And, you know, they're focused on, you know, they know it's a big game, but they're also focused on it's the next game, okay? And we're talking about a team that's already battle tested. They took on Early County, who was, a top five team earlier this year, shut them out 130 to nothing, I believe. And then they go to Blackley County, who's a really good class one, uh, 1A Division one team. They're in the top 10 over there. I think they're in the top five and beat them on the road in overtime a couple of weeks ago. So I really like, I feel like this is kind of like the all in push for this team because you got a lot of seniors on the scene. Jay Cannon's out with a quarterback. He's a senior. Jalua Solomon, the Auburn commit, he's a senior. But you still got a lot of great underclassmen as well. Zayden Walker, the linebacker running back. He, the man is an absolute unit, makes me look small, okay? He's a junior on this team. But I really feel like there is a concerted effort, you know, especially this team came one possession away from winning a state championship last year. This team knows they can win it. They're just trying to make sure they don't make the same mistakes they made last year. Remember, they started off slow last year. This year, no such thing. They have been playing lights out football, and they could keep that going. Whew. Look, Class 1A Division Two, look out. Jack, I get the feeling after Manchester beat the state champions Bowden in week one that it seems like the state championship is up for grabs. It's Schley County has to be the favorite. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. You can say that, Richard, and you wouldn't – I wouldn't – I don't think you would be wrong, but – Region six is a murderer's row. Okay. You That's have true. Slack County, the number one team in the state. You have Macon County, the number two team in the state. Manchester is the number four team in the state. Okay. So you have three of the top four in your region. Like I hate it for the team that the region that is paired up with this region this in the playoffs this year, because you're going to have a three seed that's going to likely be in the top 10 that's coming to your place. So good. Have fun with that. <laughs> and uh, the region championship. You know, 4C, you know, you're looking at the other teams in this region. Taylor County's gotten off to a hot start, too. So, you, like I said, this region is a uh, just a, a top to bottom. You know, a lot of great teams in this region. And I would not. I don't think I'm stepping out on too far of a limb to say that the state champion is going to come out of this region. It's just a matter of who. And it's going to be a huge, huge game on Friday night in Ellaville. And we, it's the first step to finding out who's going to be, you know, the team that comes out of this region. But honestly, between Sly, Macon, and Manchester, you're looking at three state title contenders in my eyes. Yeah. And then you got to throw in Flint River, too, because they're in Woodbury. That's about 10 minutes, 15 minutes away from Manchester and Sly County and all them. So, I mean, it, we're talking about an area that has just elite level football, Manchester being near Flint River and then, of course, making it Sly County. All right, let's move on from high school football. Uh, we talked about we're going to be at Pacelli Gatewood. You mentioned that a game is going to be elite, Rich, um, Jack. Let's go into some college football, and we'll start with your Georgia Bulldogs. You were there on the sideline, and you know how many Georgia fans feel about Michael Bobo, and it's not high. 
many people thought he should have been fired and not even allowed in the locker room after the first half down 14 to three. But from everything I've read and people I respect in this industry said that he called a great game, that a lot of it was just, you know, luck of the luck of the bounce or whatever it happened. You may have it. And the second half was dominated by Georgia. What was the feeling with Georgia fans at halftime? And give me your overall assessment of the offense. Uh, well, we'll start with the end of the first half. And I posted this at halftime. I was like, if Georgia loses this game, that Mike Bobo may have needed a security escort out of that stadium. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's just how the fans were. I mean, you could hear the fans booing on the TV telecast. You know, I went back and watched it and you could hear the fans just frustrated. And, you know, definitely I think the biggest thing that they did in the second half and they did it from the outskirt outright, you know, they aired the ball out. You saw you follows Ra Ra Thomas get involved. You saw uh, Brock Bowers get involved in in you know in the game as well. You know, and then you saw Dejon Edwards be able to start ripping you know finding his gaps. So I really think that it was a great turnaround for UGA, but still a lot of work to be done. I really do think the dogs would benefit benefit from opening out up the offense anymore. Um, I mean, a lot more. I th- I feel like at times you see that Carson Beck is kind of just – you feel like they're holding back, okay? And I don't know if that's by design or if that's just how it is. You know, and another thing that, you know, I'll bring up because I know a lot of people haven't brought it up, but in the game press conference the last couple of weeks, Kirby Smart has talked about how, you know, a lot of people get frustrated by judge. Georgia, they're running a lot of screen passes, a lot of, you know, short passes, right? And Kirby says that, you know, it's not so much that they're running a lot of those plays. It says that is their – they are considering those little quick outs to the side and the little screen passes. They're considering those runs, okay? They consider those running plays. And those plays are not meant to – you know, I mean, if they get big gains, oh, happy day. But they're not meant to get big games. They're meant to get, you know, four, five, six, seven yards, like a traditional run would, you know. So it's meant to complement the running game, which is a unique way to look at it. You know, I don't know how necessarily I feel about it, but, you know, that's how how the Georgia coaching staff is looking at it. And they're happy with, you know, the progress they're making – you know, on there, you know, obviously they, you know, they, they wish the blocking was a little bit better, you know, because they want to be able to spring those big plays, you know, and obviously they want the work up front to be a little bit better too. But, you know, th- this Georgia team is also battling a lot of injuries too. So it's also, you know, they're trying to get better and, you know, they got a lot of young people like they always do, you know, you're, but so they're trying to get them up, acclimated up to speed, but they're also trying to get healthy too. So that's two things they're, Thinking about you got to remember, Lab McConkey hasn't played a snap this year. Yeah, okay, you know you just lost Amarius Mims, one of the big guys on the offensive front, to a sprained ankle. So you just lost him. You know, like I said, there's a lot of players for on the Georgia squad. You know that injury list has kind of gotten a little long. So it's about trying to get healthy. You know, you got a UAB team who's coming off of getting you know getting shellacked by Louisiana last week. So you hope Georgia can be able to you know, take care of business in the first half and then, you know, get 
you know, get some guys, get some reps in. So when you go back into SEC play in two weeks, when you take on Auburn and the D's household is robbery, you hope that it gets taken care You're hoping that, you know, you got some of your top guys more healed up and ready to go as they get ready for the planes. Jack, let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. They're 2-0. and I Woo! feel they have an identity that they have a stout defense. A.J. Terrell, one of the best corners in the league, Jesse Bates. And then the power run game with Bajan Robinson, who looks like a freak out there. He's been the bell cow running back along with Tyler Algier. Jack, how you feeling about your Falcons 2-0 and so far? I sure as heck didn't see this coming. I'll be honest with you, I didn't. Okay, and I'm happy. I'm overjoyed. You know, I still see some things. You know, I, I will say that I saw, you know, a lot of people have been critical of Desmond Ritter. And a lot of times, rightfully so. Okay. But you are, you're not a football fan if you didn't see what I saw in the fourth quarter. Ritter showed me something in that fourth quarter. Okay. It's not that, you know, that's kind of like that stoic, you know, trying to be overly cautious, overly careful, not make a mistake. You know, he was going out and making plays, especially that touchdown run in the fourth quarter that brought it um brought him within two. You know, I I really think that we're, you know, as we go along and somebody brought up an excellent point. I can't remember who said it, but this is only Ritter's sixth game as a starter, okay? And you know, I think, you know, as we get more, we're gonna see Ritter kind of break out of that shell. Bijan, obviously, he's been fantastic this Elite. year. Elite. Algier, too. And I like to see, you know, the starting running – I mean, the starting wide receivers, they're starting to get in the act, too. You know, we saw a little bit of Kyle Pitts. We saw a little bit of Drake London. He had a few big grabs. Matt Collins, too. He had that touchdown that got called back. But, you know, he got more into the action, too. So I really like where we're going. But I think this week is going to be a true test. First road game, and you're going to Detroit, and they're coming off of a bitter loss in overtime to the Seahawks. So let's see how you do in a road environment against a fan base that, you know, they're tasting success for the first time in God knows how long. You know, so you know the place is going to be electric. So I want to see how we do on the road in a place, a hostile environment. But you have to say this, though, Jack. This defense, I heard a, a thing from Matt Ryan. He wished he had a defense like that. In his time with the Atlanta Falcons, only once did he have a top 15 defense, and that's crazy to think about. Always had a top 10 offense, even had number one and broke a lot of records in 2016. The next year, number one offense and then a top five defense. You combine them, you have a World Series and Super Bowl champion, and you don't blow that lead against Tom Brady. But, that's, I mean, that's neither here nor there. You're right. I shouldn't even say anything, Jack. But I like this team a lot. I'm of the mindset, and, and this is just me, maybe Gwitter just grow into it. But I'm thinking, what if they did sign a Jimmy Garoppolo or went after a Lamar Jackson? You put him with B. John Robinson, that offensive line, the weapons he has, Arthur Smith's decent play calling, and the defense. I mean, I mean, the only thing that's going to set us back, obviously, is the quarterback position. Right now, we saw he was able to lead us a, a major comeback, a first major comeback since Matt Ryan was here way back when we were actually making the playoffs down by 12 head in the fourth quarter. So maybe he does got it. He's a hard worker. He's got a good heart. I'm just not a firm believer yet, but that doesn't say that I can't be proven wrong. Jack, you were excellent tonight. Last thing I'm going to ask you before we let you go. 
is uh, I, you got Braves fans wanting to jump off a cliff. They're getting smacked by the Marlins. They're getting beat by the Phillies. We suck. We're not going to be the number one seed. This is not what you wanted. I would rather have gone all the way down the wire than getting Molly Watt playing bad baseball right now. Please calm these people down because we don't even have majority of our starting pitchers going. We obviously have put on the brakes and didn't even care about trying to get 110 wins. Well, number one, if they if they are like me right now, which I am obviously on on the laptop with you guys, but I also have the Braves game. While you send me looking back and forth, back and forth, so the Braves are already winning. Okay, it's let's see, it's one nothing. Acuna Jr. hit a leadoff home run. No, okay, there we go. So, so we're already leading. So you're off to a better start tonight. Strider's been pitching good so far. So pump the brakes, relax, okay? I will say this is that you know they and don't get too caught up in it right now. You know, fans this year, we have been spoiled, okay? The Braves have only had a four-game losing streak, okay? And They've only had a four-game losing streak twice this year. No, two or three times this year, okay? Every other team in baseball can't say that, okay? Like, this was the first time we had been swept in, I said, I think, pre, before the All-Star break? Way before, yeah. So, you know, once again, we've been spoiled, okay? So, you know, on the breaks, you know, you got a lot of people banged up in the rotation right now, obviously. You got three players who are starting rehab appearances tonight, okay? So the key right now is get through the regular season, okay? Obviously, you want home field. And I think the Braves, they have built up such a lead that, you know, they can afford a couple games. Like, let's just, you know, I'm already over here. So let's just check out what the standings are right now. So... Yeah, obviously they have built up such a lead against the Dodgers, who are the team they're battling for home field throughout the NL playoffs, and the Orioles, who right. team, team they were battling throughout the for the uh, home field throughout the World Series. Let's see, the Braves still have even through everything they've had, they've gone through. The Dodgers have been on a four-game win streak at the same time. The Braves have been on a four-game losing streak. The Braves still lead by three and a half games. Okay. That's still a comfortable as long as you know they turn things around, which I think that'll happen sooner than later. I mean, even when they did have the four game losing streaks earlier this year, they immediately went on hot streaks afterwards. Right. So, like I said, if you know the opportunity is still there, and they have a two and a half game lead on the Orioles for home field throughout the playoffs, including the World Series. So the opportunities are still there. Okay. So, you know. The sky's not falling. Yeah, it sucks right now, okay? But the sky is not falling, okay? You know, I would say that if it was the offense and the defense in trouble, I'd be a lot more worried, okay? But right now, the offense still is still hitting, and I think the pitching will eventually come back around. You just got to get healthy. So I think the Braves are in a solid position. It's just all about you know, taking care of business the last couple of weeks of the season. They'll be fine. They'll be the number one seed. Don't freak out. Braves fans, their pitching will start getting healthy. Guys will start doing what they're supposed to do. Also, you don't want to burn out your arms before you even play a playoff game. So let's, like Jack said, pump the brakes. All right, JP, tell everyone where they can find your work. 
tell everybody about the prep zone this upcoming week. And then I'm looking forward to seeing you on Thursday on the Sports Visions radio show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll be on the Sports Visions radio show on Thursday. You can follow me on Twitter. My handle's at below, right below my lit name at TV. You can follow the News 3 Sports team at WRBL Sports on Twitter, WRBL News 3 Sports on Facebook. And then don't forget to watch us on TV, WRBL News 3, the CBS affiliate here in the Chattahoochee Valley. Hey, Direct TV fans, we're finally back on TV. So, oh, happy day for that. So be sure to tune in. We got a lot of great stuff coming your way. We've got a preview of the Slide County Game of the Week tonight at 11. We've got Game of the Week coverage coming up Friday at 5, 5.30 and 6 with Tyler down at Ellaville. Our athletes of the week are going to be the Sumter County Panthers after they beat Northside last week and they beat Chris County the week before that. So that's going to be big. That's going to be on Thursday with Rex Castillo. And, of course, the prep is on Friday night at 11.15 Eastern, 10.15 Central. I was just making the rundown right before I came on with you guys. We have a stupid amount of games this week, okay? I hadn't had a chance to count it but I'm having to add space for it, okay? So we have a ridiculous amount of games this week. So you definitely want to tune in. Yep, the best highlight show around, Jay Patterson, T. Redman on W News 3, WRBL Sports. Thank you so much, JP, and I will see you on Thursday, brother. Anytime, fellas. See you, Jack. And that is Jack Patterson Absolutely. of WRBL News 3 Sports. Love having him on. He's great. Uh and love we had it. him on a lot longer than we we planned on. But, I mean, I just love conversations with him. And with that being – You know something, Thrift? I, I kind of expected that because you know how passionate Jack Patterson is talking about sports, and it was just fascinating for our it show. It was great, and uh, love having him on, and we're going to have him on many more times as we go throughout the year. So now let's go back and, and review a little bit, few, a few more games, Richard. Then we'll talk preview this week where we're going to be and talk on a few games. Um, not too much because we still got game day. And then we'll hit some college and some pro before we get out of here. Harris County dominates Hardaway. Levi Watson, player of the week for the Ledger Inquirer. This guy has been great as a quarterback. Um, Matei Human is just a truck that is hard to bring down. And Harris County has been the surprise of the Tri-City area this year. They go to four and one on the season, Richard. And I looking at their schedule, they could be eight and two, nine and one. Who knows? That's a big one coming up. We'll be broadcasting October the sixth, Northside taking on Harris County to see who's going to win that region this year. Richard Hardaway still learning. They they upcoming this upcoming week they do face winless Peach County on the road. Hardaway may go zero and ten. But that doesn't stop Coach McKenzie building a program that in the next few years is going to get better, even if it's one percent at a time, like Corey Black said. But they were just not—they were—they're not enough. They don't have the firepower to keep up with a team like Harris County, who's five A, and they got a juggernaut offense and defensively. Thrift, I've got to say, Harris County has been the surprise team of the Chattahoochee Valley, doubling their win total from last year, and they are four and one. They get a well-deserved bye, so Rick Beach gets a week off at Kutsu Sports. A big shout-out to Rick Beach. And then I know he's excited about this game in two weeks. Harris County is hosting the defending 3A state champions, Sandy Creek. Yeah, that's going to be a, a big one. Can't wait. And that's a home game or road game? That's a home game. And that's September the 29th? Yes. Yeah, I know. I know what you're I, thinking. I, <laughs> I, 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 I pause right there, ladies and gentlemen, because 
we have our schedule pretty much uh, set. We're going to be at Russell County. We want to show Coach Griggs and Coach Knox some love, but we have an open availability to call another Harris County game. I may have to reach out to Mindy Johnson because that's too big of a game to not call Richard. Um, so I, we're going to hold our breath. I don't care if we do seven Harris County games. I mean, that Sandy Creek one is going to be phenomenal. So we may be there. Huge. You'll find out next week right here on Georgia Alabama Sports Live. A couple other games. Auburn defeated um, Jag 46 and nothing. Carver Montgomery beat Russell County. Russell County is now 0 and 3. Makes that 0 and 4 that now, Richard. 0 and 3. Oh, they had a bye. Uh, lost to Carver Montgomery 34 to 6. Miss Station, they're 0 and 4. They got obliterated 54 to 7. Um, just these teams just, just in a tough 7A classification. But the, the, the teams that they're facing off is elite. Valley beat Sylacauga 34-10. We will be doing Valley, by the way, in Russell County next week. Southwest defeated Jordan 40 to nothing, And those are some of the other scores in Flint River. Shout out to them. They won 17-6 against a public school, the Redden. Chambers defeated Banks 67-18. We will be covering a Chambers-Glenwood game the 27th. That's going to be a big one. Chambers, probably the best 1A school and ranked top three in the state, regardless of classification for the AISA. And Shaw, beating Columbus. I like Coach Johnny Gardner, Richard, and I like how his team's still competing. And I said this, and you and you heard me say it. Yes, winner of I this did. Winner of this game. It may catapult them into a decent playoff run. Shaw now goes to two and three. They still have a lot to play for. Hopefully they get their quarterback back and Nicholas Bates. Big win over Columbus High and Coach Gardner, and they still have a lot to play for. You know they got off to a bit of a slow start. They played some really good teams. Northside Harris County, really good teams. Lost by one to, what was it, Macon County? Marion County. Marion County lost by one. They really should have won that. So they could be right now three and two, understandably losing to Northside and Harris County. Those are five A schools and they still kept it close. But Shaw, big win over Columbus High. Absolutely. And they were able to get their starting quarterback, Nicholas Bates, back in that game. And Shaw is hosting the Jordan Red Jackets this Friday at Kennett Stadium. So they have a chance before they get into region play to get back to 500. And then who knows what's going to happen once they get into region play. Thrift, I just can't believe that we are at the halfway point of the high school football season. Still have a lot at stake when it comes to region play for a lot of these teams. Yeah, and it's a lot to play for. And now we're starting to get to the nitty-gritty, seeing if these are games that you have to win. They're region games. The first couple games in the season don't matter near as much as the, the last few. So um, it's, it's going to be great. And I, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. And I, I think um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun seeing multiple teams playing for state championships. Pacelli, Glenwood, um, Calvary, and Gaps. There's a three different classifications, Carver and 3A. I mean, I even put Harris County, if they keep playing the way they're doing, who says they can't make a 5A run? Um, go 8-2, and two, make it a second or third round, and we're going to be there for – broadcasting those games and showing them love to make it during the playoffs. So let's move on from that and let's talk about where we're going to be this week. Northside and Westover. Westover, remember, upset Spencer. Northside lost last week on the road 
to Sumter County. Sumter County, and now they face each other. They're in. They're not in the same classification. This is a non-classification, non-region game. Northside three and two, Westover three and two. Thursday night, Kinnett will be live for there. I'm I'm feeling Northside getting back on the winning track because um, they know in two weeks they got a big one region-wise against Harris County, October the sixth, home game at Kinnett. I do too, Thrift, and I just want to see the development of Caden Clay as he is just going to continue to throw the ball. But he's got a decent pair of running backs in Kingston Rivers and Jay Jackson. That's not a bad running back combo. I know that they're you know, filling in for Malachi Hosley, who graduated last year. He was the bulk of the offense. And now you have two running backs that really have been game breakers for this Northside Patriots team. And this is their last non-region contest before they get into region play. And look out, because not only do you have to play Harris County, you got to play Northgate that's 3-2. and two. you got to play McIntosh that's 4-1. and one. I mean, That is a gauntlet. They I mean, only have five teams in their region, but still, those are tough region opponents that they will face in the upcoming weeks. Well, we would look forward to calling that game. And another game we're going to be on the call for, Viking Live is partnering with us. There's not a lot of games going on at home locally. Um, so we decided to partner, give some of our producers a break. Um, we've been going so hard lately. And then we're going to partner with Viking Live. I'll be on with Dave Plata. Richard, you'll be on the broadcast too. We got high school game day. We'll start at 6. Gatewood undefeated. They're not ranked number one in 2A or 3A. I think 2A in GIAA, and they take on the number one ranked team in 4A, Pacelli. It's homecoming, too, so it's going to have – there's going to be so many festivities. It's going to be packed at Dymo Field. It's going to be a fun time on Friday night. We can't wait to be there. Game day at 6. Broadcast starts at 7.30. And then on Sunday, we got the CBU's Perfect Practice Fall League starting at 3.30. Can't wait to do that, Richard. It's going to be a lot of fun last week. Some guys by the name of um, Bryson Dawson, or maybe you've heard of Jacoby Hill. Oh, yeah. How about Tony Montgomery? Big time ballers. Oh, How yeah. Big time ballers. Tabari Allen or Bradley Pearson, Connor Clone. If you've heard of these names, Tim Littleton from Russell County, um, even Columbus High, Carver, Brian Brown, Champ Simpson. Uh, Calvary's got some good players in it as well. Pacelli. Jadence Ford. Matthew Melvin. Yeah, Matthew Melvin. You're going to want to be there for this game, for this uh, live stream. Make sure to tune in. We'll be live on our Facebook and YouTube. It's high-level basketball during exhibition-wise, but the kids do care about it. And if you look, you know, they, they we, we name them by college teams, but they are high schools. So Central's high school team is called North Carolina. No, the central coach cannot coach in it, but they don't need it because these are opportunities for the players to get to know each other, get acclimated. I mean, it's just good basketball. Next week, we got Tony Montgomery taking on Jacoby Hill. We got Carver, one of the best teams in it, taking on Central. Auburn, a really good team in Central. That's a rivalry. They play in the same region last year, played three different times, once in the area, twice during the regular season. Coach Chris Brandt was there. We've interviewed all these great coaches. Make sure to tune in 30-30 on Sunday. And we're going to go straight into college football now, Richard. We talked Georgia. I think Georgia fans need to calm down. They're not even giving Mike Bobo a chance. Beck will be fine. Georgia will be fine. 
they got a bit of a tune-up now against UAB, and then they got 3:30 kickoff next week against Auburn. Auburn beats A&M. That'll be a ranked game, um, September the 29th. We'll talk Alabama now. I saw Josh pay to the late kick, and he said that. And and when he says it's and people that don't know, Josh growing up was a big Alabama fan. Now, of course, he's in the industry. He doesn't really show his fandom. But he keeps up with that program better than anybody else up there with Stephen M. Smith. And when he's saying he's never seen this Alabama fan, Alabama organization and program look lifeless like it did, that has cause for concern for me, Richard. They didn't look good against South Florida. I think if Jalen Milrow plays, that's a 20-point win, maybe 30 points. The defense was really good. That's an inferior South Florida team that's won two games in the last three seasons. They are not good. They got a new coach. It's going to take a long time rebuilding that program up um, for what it used to be in the 2000s. But that being said, Alabama should, had no business making this a 14-point game. It was really a seven-point game until they scored a wash touchdown with 30 seconds to go. But I'm still not down on this Bama team. And I would not be surprised if they, and Bryant Denny, 330 against Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, dominate them. And put everybody back on notice that Alabama is far from gone, especially in a year where college football is up for grabs. This is the most – the only year I can remember, Richard, is 2007. It's the last time I remember being at this much parity and this wide open. And remember, that was a year we had our only ever two-loss national champion in LSU. Talk about what you thought when you saw the Crimson Tide take on South Florida. Well, they finally figured out their quarterback. Coach Nick Saban has named Jalen Milrow the starting quarterback for the remainder of the year, and he never should have not been the starting quarterback. The experiment with Buckner and Ty Simpson, it did not work, and I could not believe how Alabama's offensive line got pushed around by South Florida's offensive line. Alabama at this point needs to just continue to do what they do best, just run the football have their offensive line get in run block. Jalen Milrow, get out in the pocket, use his legs. That's how he's going to make plays. No, he's not going to make all the throws. But that's how Alabama needs to get back to playing Alabama football. If you think Ole Miss is going to walk in to Tuscaloosa, Lane Kiffin pumping his chest, and Jackson Dart is going to be torching that Alabama defense, you got another thing coming. Alabama is playing angry and their players are not going to be buying into Nick Saban like well, Richard, you like to call the rat this? poison. Can I say this, though? You made a tweet that you said Alabama could go 6-6. Six and six. Was this a tweet to get, the, to get noticed it's, by Nick Saban and to fire up Bama? Because I think they're even on their, their worst year, Richard, no chance 6-6 six and six is what they're going. That would be called a hot sports take, which I'm – that is no fire. That's grease. That's that grease. is lighting a fire on the somebody. And really, yes, do I think they're going to go six and six? Absolutely not. I think that they are going to turn the corner and they are going to dominate just because they are Alabama. But what I saw last week against South Florida, that's not the Bama team that I'm known for seeing. I have not seen that since Nick Saban took over the program in 2007. But I do think that Alabama is going to find a way. And by the way, this is a big recruiting week for Alabama taking on Ole Miss. I would not be shocked if Alabama wins. But if Ole Miss does come up with the win, 
I mean, Alabama's chances for the college football playoff are, are this is not a national championship team. I just want to bring that out there. I still think this is a 10 win team. When I made that tweet, there are some teams that are capable of beating Bama's. And so, well, actually, you could throw out Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee's going to beat Bama after the way they got humiliated by Florida. But a team like Auburn, they're playing in the Plains. I think LSU is capable of being Alabama. I think that Ole Miss is capable and Texas A&M. These are all teams that are capable of being Alabama. Do I think that they're going to win? Absolutely not. I still think that Bama is going to have be motivated and they're going to pretty much be running the table. Yeah. Well, it was a hot take, Richard. And, you know, last week for the – I think I was – I called myself out for being a casual fan. I looked at the schedule and I'm like, come on, man. Missouri at Kansas State was a great game, by the way. Missouri ended up winning on a game-winning kick. It there was. were some close games. Uh, obviously, Colorado close could have lost, really, against Colorado State. They're not winning the national championship this year, but that doesn't mean Dion's not still going to be successful in his first season. But if anyone thinks he's winning the natty, um, we'll, we'll find out this week when they go to Eugene, Oregon. And that's where I want to leave my next thing. You got Colorado taking on Oregon. That's going to be a great one. I think Bo Nix is going to put up. Colorado's defense is not great. Okay. I know they held Nebraska at bay. Nebraska's offense is terrible. They gave up a lot of points to TCU, gave up a lot of points to Colorado State at home. On the road, Bo Nix is going to be having a field day. It's going to be a shootout, but I see more like a 56-42, 56-35 type win for Oregon. That's how they usually win these big-type matchups. UCLA and Utah, I mean, I'm just looking at the Pac-12 alone, Oregon State and Washington State. These games are pretty, pretty good, man, and I think that – I, looking at all, all the the schedule right now, and Alabama Ole Miss, another ranked matchup. Um, Oregon, I mean, excuse me, oh, yeah, Oregon, Colorado, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, Notre Dame. That's probably the game of the weekend on NBC. Ohio State playing at Notre Dame's legendary field. What are some of the games you're looking forward to this week, Richard? Auburn oh. taking on A&M, even some non-ranked matchups. Huge. I mean, there's just so many games that you touched upon. Utah and UCLA. Uh, I mean, you have uh, great teams like, uh, you know, I actually am interested to see this Miami Temple game. I really want to see this Memphis and Missouri game. It's played at a neutral field in uh, St. Louis. But yeah, you Iowa and Penn State, we already talked about that. North Carolina and Pitt. I mean, North Carolina might be tested as they're taking on the Pitt Panthers on the road. Uh, USC taking on Arizona State. Really, it's this is the week where you really want to sit in front of your TV and watch college football. Last weekend, in fact, I have a sports fan who got married last weekend. That actually was the weekend to get married. I know Josh Pate says, don't get married during college football season, but he's right. But if you're going to, if you have a spouse who doesn't really like sports, he got married last weekend and it really wasn't a great weekend for college football. I mean, it was one of those where you could check scores later. I, I wasn't really in front of the TV watching game. I, I did watch the Tennessee-Florida game, and I actually, I admit, Thrift, I did fall asleep with the Colorado-Colorado State yeah, game. I did too, but Florida-Tennessee, I, I want to mention real quick, Richard, before you keep going, absolutely beat down. And I didn't think that was going to happen, especially where the game started. Tennessee went down about six plays and scored a touchdown. I was like, man, this offense looks just as good as it did last year with Hendon Hooker 
with now Joe Milton. And then the defense for Florida and that defensive coordinator, young guy, did a really good job holding the offense at bay. A lot of Tennessee receivers were dropping balls, and they ran it right down their throat. Travis Etienne's brother, um, I think it's Trevor Etienne. Trevor. Did a good job busting through. And this Florida team, I was looking at their schedule. I think they're the second-best team in the East. I think they're going to have one loss when they play Georgia. They'll be a top 15, maybe even top 10 team when they, they take on Georgia. They'll finish the year 9-3, and 10-2. and two. I know they got LSU coming up, um, but I think they beat LSU, to be honest with you. They play them at home. I like this Florida team, uh, Richard, after you know many people gave up on them. I did, too. But to see them just manhandle Tennessee, maybe Tennessee was overrated. Maybe Florida still goes 7-5, and 8-4 and four this year. Um, but if that's how Florida plays every single night, I find it hard to believe there's any team given their best option other than maybe Georgia, you know, a few of the top four teams, but they only play Georgia once. LSU, I think if Florida plays like that, they're going to have a tough time beating them. I like Florida. Um, but great games this weekend, as you were saying. Absolutely. Thrift, I saw this coming a mile away. Tennessee was playing Florida in the swamp. They have not beaten Florida in the swamp since 2003. Tennessee can't run the ball. The Florida, they're playing in the swamp. Graham Mertz all of a sudden is a good quarterback. I knew that Florida was going to dominate, and I I couldn't believe that Tennessee coming into this game, they were top 11, and they were more than a touchdown favorite. And, and I was shocked that they actually were favored by more than a touchdown. But, uh, yeah, I saw this coming. Richard, DJ is going to be in Tampa Bay handling business. Miss Candy actually just won an award. So he nice. is not going to be there on Thursday's show. So, Richard, you'll be joining me in studio for that, hopefully. Um, if not, you'll be able to join us like you always do from the stadium. It'll be an abbreviated show. I won't go the whole time as we are calling the north side Westover game. But looking forward to then. We talked Ole Miss, Alabama. Uh, I think that Alabama is going to win this game. Lane Kiffin – if Alabama does lose, that's twice now that we've seen Alabama, and, and just in this year, Nick Saban lose to his former assistants and Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, and both of them at home. I, I'm just not ready to write them off yet. I mean, that's when it's worrisome. No. I, I, I think Alabama wins this. You may be right; they may go ten and two this year, but I think they handle business at home. Ohio State and Notre Dame. Many people don't believe in Cal McCord. Ohio State's not looked great. They haven't also played, you know, many great people. Notre Dame, their schedule is easy. Obviously, this is the biggest matchup for either one of these teams early in the season. Sam Hartman has been on a tear, and he was great last year for Wake Forest. Been even better this year for Notre Dame. I'm still not ready to, to sell on Ryan Day in Ohio State, Richard. I think Ohio State makes a statement. I think it's statement Saturday in week four for college football. And I think teams like Ohio State, Alabama, Oregon, teams are playing in these ranked matchups at home. I think they make statements. And I think there may be even some upsets, too, meaning like the teams we left for dead, a.k.a. Clemson, playing at home against Florida State. This may be a Saturday where contenders who we thought were contenders are not, people that we thought for dead are not, and people we overhyped are not what we thought them to be. Statement Saturday. What do you think, Richard? I absolutely feel that there are going to be a couple of upsets brewing this upcoming Saturday. Let's talk about Ohio State and Notre Dame because Ohio State off to that slow start taking on a Notre Dame team with Sam Hartman as the quarterback. 
But Ohio State, this is the perfect opportunity for them to show the primetime audience on NBC 730 kickoff that they are the better team than Notre Dame. They have better players. I know that Notre Dame, you know, the, with the pageantry and the tradition, and Demarcus Freeman is a good coach, and Sam Hartman is a good quarterback. But at the end of the day, Ohio State has the better players, and you got a player like Marvin Harrison Jr. who could ball out in this game. And I think Ohio State, which this, by the way, Thrift, this is a game that Coach Ryan Day has to win because they do play Michigan in the big house. Ohio State, if they want to get into the college football playoff, they have to beat Notre Dame at South Bend. And this is going to be just an absolute epic game. And I cannot wait. I mean, that's going to be one of those games I'm going to be watching on on, on the TV. And, uh, yeah, we, we got a great week of uh, just incredible matchups. Uh, but not only that, they got to play Penn State at home. Penn State may be better than Michigan. Drew Alars looked excellent. True. And they got a running back tandem and Nick Singleton and Katron Allen that – those guys would be number one backs anywhere in the country. You name the program, they'd be the starters. They got a tough gauntlet, and winning this one can put a statement on what should be a tough Big Ten schedule this year. I did want to talk a little bit about Auburn A&M real quickly, and then we'll move on from college football NFL and get out of here, Richard. First, Auburn taking on A&M. And this is a question game for both programs. Is Hugh Freeze ready to contend this year? He'll learn that at 12 o'clock at Texas A&M College Station, Aggie Field. Is A&M the program that many thought they were going to be last year? I know they got pretty much dominated by Miami, 48-33. to But I think that A&M still has a lot to play for. I like Bobby Petrino. I want to lean Auburn. I really do. I do too. But if A&M loses this game, Jimbo Fisher's on the hot seat. And now that, you know, A&M, they got that oil money. They, they're open checkbook to go out and try to get a Dion. I, I think this is to be two and two through four weeks and still having to play LSU, Alabama, and other great teams around the SEC. That's, that's at least eight and four this year, and that is not what A&M fans want. They need to win this one. I'm going to lean Connor Wigman, and that's the main reason why. Wigman has played better than Thorne. Thorne has done enough to win games, and of course they did enough to beat Cal. The defense and special teams and the team as a whole dominated um, Sanford and UMass. But this is a different story. This is They're going to have a tough time running the football. Thorne's going to have to make plays with his arm. Will he do that against this Miami team? We'll see. Yeah, Peyton Thorne cannot make the mistakes. Uh, Auburn – they do play Texas A&M well, even when it's at College Station. But this is a must-win game for Texas A&M. Connor Wegman is going to have a good game. Remember, Texas A&M had the number one recruiting class two cycles ago. Yep. And I think that Bobby Petrino, as the offensive coordinator, is going to make a difference. And Texas A&M still has got a very tough schedule. Auburn is really 3-0. and I know they haven't played anybody, but this is a year – where your average Auburn fan would be happy if Hugh Freeze wins eight games. But it, this would be huge. If Auburn can get the upset against Texas A&M, you got that game. It might be a top 25 matchup. In fact, it will. Auburn will jump in the rankings if they beat Texas A&M 
and then they host Georgia on the plains. How big is that going to be? We already got the confirmation that it's going to be a 3.30 kickoff on CBS. Yeah. I know that you're excited about that game. We'll definitely preview that game next week. But, yeah, Auburn, everything's in front of them. I just think that Peyton Thorne has just got to cut down on the mistakes. I really do like this defense by Auburn. I know that they haven't really played anybody. They played Cal, UMass, Samford. But, you know, Hugh Freeze is the right coach, and, and Auburn will continue to improve under Hugh Freeze. Yep, and it is. No matter if they lose against A&M, it is still the CBS game, Georgia and Auburn, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Also, Oregon State, DJ Uragalite takes on Washington State. I think they dominate a Washington State team that's pretty good. They're ranked in the top 21, top 25. Washington's another top eight team. They play California at home. I think they dominate. <clears throat> but if DJ wins at Oregon State, Oregon, I mean, Pac-12 could have three or four teams vying for maybe that playoff spot. We'll see how it plays out. Last thing we'll talk about is the Atlanta Falcons. We talked with Jack. They able to come back against the Packers 24-12 to to win 25-24. Young Waku missed a couple of extra points. That's not you're used to seeing. Um, no. But this, this Auburn, I mean, this Falcons team, Doing enough to win, but they've been at home, like Jack said. They play the Lions. Lions are a team wanting to get back on the right track. They think this is their year to win the NFC North. They're the premier team. The Vikings are 0-2. You got the Bears 0-2. The Packers are 1-1. So are the Lions. Lions win this one and get the upper hand. They don't believe that Jordan Love can lead the Packers to win this division. The division's atrocious, so... Even if the Lions do lose, I still think they win the division. But that Falcons going on the road in a hostile environment, we're going to learn more about Ritter. And if Ritter has another tough game, I mean, you don't want the season to go by to the wayside. Baker Mayfield's played great for Tampa Bay. The Saints won last night to go 2-0. So you got three 2-0 teams in NFC South. Many people thought that was going to be the worst division in football. I you don't want to get back down behind these guys. I'm not saying that they are going to lose to Tampa Bay or New Orleans or not. They're, they can't beat them. That's not what I'm saying. But you need to know, is Ritter the guy that can lead you to a division title? I think this weekend had a good start. Had a way to get momentum heading into the, the road game against the Lions. But still not a believer yet. And that's just yet. Desmond Ritter did make one incredible throw on a third and 15 to Drake London. By the way, I want to see Drake London and Kyle Pitts get more involved in the passing game. They really have yet to put up the numbers that, that we are looking for. But I was looking at the schedule through Yes, the Lions are a three-and-a-half-point favorite to the Atlanta Falcons, which the Falcons have beaten the Lions in Detroit before. I mean, this is a winnable game. Imagine if the Falcons go on 3-0 and I actually think because the Saints and the Buccaneers are 2 and 0 that the Falcons just can't you know sleepwalk in a game and think oh well, all we got to do is worry about our division games no because they're going to be having to keep pace with the Saints and the Buccaneers then they travel across the pond to take on the Jaguars you know the Jaguars are trying to get back on track after losing to the Chiefs I do think they have kind of an easy schedule taking on the Houston Texans but the Washington Commanders are 2-0, and and that is not going to be an easy game. You know, the Commanders beat the Falcons in Atlanta last year with Taylor Heineke, which is now the backup quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. But then on October 22nd, they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who knows? That could be for the right for first place. 
And I look at this Falcons team, I look at their schedule, and their defense is elite. And you're right. Desmond Ritter has got to show that he is the quarterback. There are times where he goes three and out. I did not like the fact that the Falcons came out in that first half. They got the ball in the second half, and they had three straight passes. Feed the rock to Bajon Robinson and Tyler Algier. Do what you do best. Set up play action. That is going to make Desmond Ritter successful and get guys like Drake London open in the passing game. Kyle Pitts, use your weapons. The reason why the Falcons drafted three offensive weapons in their last three drafts is to set up success for Desmond Ritter, but he has got to show us something in the passing game. And feed Kyle Pitts. Eight, only eight targets in through two weeks. Yeah, what's up I, with that? I mean, Travis Kelsey gets eight targets in one half of a game. Yeah. Just, that's got to change. Arthur Smith, some, I, I question some of his play calling. And I'm hoping that he starts using his weapons as he starts getting more confidence within his quarterback. Well, Richard, I had a lot of fun today. We are going to be live Thursday. Actually, tomorrow I'll be doing an interview with Jay Sparks, the Columbus State Athletic Director at 3.30. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about Columbus State's athletics and how you can support. Then on Thursday, Northside Westover, we also got the Sports Visions radio show for about 5, 5.30 on 92.1 Smooth R&B and the Sports Visions radio app, the Sports Visions Facebook page. Friday, we got a big one. Pichelli and Gatewood, Viking Live is going to have the broadcast. We'll simulcast on Georgia Alabama Sports Live. We're going to be helping out with them. Um, just give our producers a break. Let us, you know, learn from other people in the industry as we continue to grow and we can still uh, have stuff on our platform. Sunday, big time. CB Hoots, Perfect Practice Fall League starting at 3.30. Richard, any final thoughts before we get out of here? This has really been a fun show. Jack Patterson from WRBL has been a great guest. As we continue doing these shows, I just look forward to just talking about sports and having a live show where we really just continue to get passionate. I know that you and DJ have sports visions on Mondays and Thursdays. It's really great that we can do almost a, an hour and a half show and just talk about sports and and we've had some great guests so far, and uh, I can't wait for these future shows that we got coming up in the horizon. No doubt about it. We'll see you tomorrow, three thirty. Jay Sparks, and then our high school game, our high school football showcase, Northside and Westover, and then Gatewood Pacelli, CB Hoots Perfect Practice Fall League on Sunday, and then we got great games the next week, and we're just rocking and rolling. It's already through September. Can you believe that we're one week I can't away? Believe it from being in October. That's how fast this has gone. Richard, thank you so much. Thank you for everybody tuning in. Please like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, and we'll see you later.